Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. This Spiritual Fix presents TSF Shorts. A potluck of preludes between episodes. Today's TSF Short is everything screen time as well as an AI god. Lots of AI, lots of digital. Enjoy. Hey, Christina. Hello, Anna. Hey, hey, hi. What's up? Oh, nothing. I am enjoying a lovely Sunday afternoon. Yeah, busy, but good. How about you? Good. Did you guys have a birthday party yesterday or it's next It's next weekend, right? It's next weekend. Yes. My son turned six and it's so funny. He, he's been asking me a lot of really funny questions recently. Like he asked me the other day, he's like, is anything real is what he was starting to ask me. So he's like getting super into the questions. Like, is anything real? Like what's the point of all of this? And I'm just like, well, honey, there are a lot of different ways you can explain that and explore that in your own life. And apparently that's the perfect way to go into the two things that we're going to be talking about today. One being screen time and all those different things. And then the meaning of, of God and asking for an apology from like the ultimate parent in so many of our culture's lives. So there you go. So on this episode of a short, we're going to talk a little bit about dopamine and screen time. And like screen time is one of those things that a lot of people are like, don't be on the screen. You know, like I have a friend and she took her two kids to a park. She was like on her phone because it was like her one chance. And this guy came up to her and was like, why aren't you spending time with your children? And, and she was just like, you think that parents didn't ignore their kids or need a break from their kids before phones, cell phones? Like, like I can't our, believe our anybody parents, said that to her. Yeah. Our, our parents would just lock us out of the house. Remember? Like our parents would just, yeah. I don't know about you, but like they locked us out of the house. We drank out of the hose. We ate clovers and pecans from the garden. And, you know, we came back when we were allowed to come back. It, it, it was a more free range thing, you know? Yeah. And now I feel like parents are expected to not only like keep their children clean and fed and housed, but also entertain them. And it's a, it's a lot. I just, I just can't get over that one person. I can just imagine that dude has no fucking kids and he's just like dealing with his trauma. So he's just trying, choosing to traumatize somebody else and like pass it on to a parent who's exhausted. Oh, anyway. Yeah, she was a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom at that time too. So it's like, trust me, she does enough, okay? Yeah. Well, speaking of that, we're gonna talk a little bit about screen time today because screen time is now 
like part of the fabric of our lives. You know, it's funny because my son was at the at the school um, nurse and they called me because he got injured and he didn't know how to hold the phone receiver like because it was like a landline. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm on the other end, like hearing him fumble and like not know how to hold a phone, like an old fashioned old fashioned phone. And it was just kind of like, okay, like this is like, he will never know a world without a cell phone, you know? And I used to joke that I got addicted to social media when I was breastfeeding because I'd be, I would, I, my kids refused bottles. I'd be breastfeeding for hours and hours and hours. And I would just like, you know, pull up my phone, put that cell phone radiation right by their little growing brains. And I would just scroll and it, it helped with the boredom of that. Yeah. Oh, I, I would, I would mimic that. I was not nearly as addicted before breastfeeding. Yeah. Breastfeeding can get you addicted to the phone. Well, anyway, speaking of such, I want to look a little bit about screen times. And first, what I want to start with is saying for every age, you have the older generations being like, it's so bad for you. Like when the radio came out or rock and roll, people would say, that's the devil. You know, it's like TV came out. That's the devil. Like screen time. Oh, get off your screen time. You know, every time there's change, it's going to be met with the older generation you know, discussing how it's an abomination. So I just want to put that out there too, that like resistance to screen time, a lot of that could just be a fear of change, right? Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. So globally, people average six hours and 58 minutes of screen time per day. Daily screen time has increased by nearly 50 minutes per day since 2013. The average American spends seven hours and four minutes looking at a screen a day. South Africans win their contest. They spend 10 hours and 46 minutes on a screen per day, which I've never been to South Africa, but I imagine it's really beautiful. Like, why are you on your screen? I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not going to shame them. And 49% of zero to two-year-olds interact with smartphones regularly. And generations, Gen Z's average nine hours of screen time per day. Other countries besides South Africa that are quite high in total screen time is the Philippines, which is 10 and a half hours, and Brazil, which is almost 10 and a half hours, Colombia, 10 hours, Argentina, nine hours. So all can, beautiful countries. Like, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Okay. So does screen time include computer time or is it just on your phone? Is it on a tablet? Like what does it qualify as? This is, this study was looking at not working, like people who work on a computer. It was was (laughs) looking at watching TV, gaming, social media, browsing websites, other video chatting, e-reading and content creation. So that was like the, the, the things they're looking at. Interesting. Which feels a little unfair because e-reading is like. Okay, so you're not killing trees by buying books all the time. And oh, still, but it feels bad that like you're being penalized, so to speak, for like if you're if you're in a race to not have as much screen time, you're being penalized for reading while you're on a screen as opposed to reading an actual book. Well, first of all, let's just look at our whole shaming, you know, our culture of yes. like, you know, like we seem to think that this is a bad thing. And I had to catch myself like South Africa is so beautiful. Why are they on their screen? Like we have this like resistance to it. And I'm just curious, like why we're so anti-screen time when you feel so good, right? Um, e-reading though, by the way, is an average of 15 minutes a day. So <laughs> it's not like, it's not like people are e-reading for 10 hours a day. <laughs> 
That's so funny. Cause that's like a lot of probably what I do, or I used to, used to do, especially if I get into a book, it's like all I'm doing all day. And I was like, I don't want to get penalized for that, but that's hilarious. It's only 15 minutes. There you go. And um, this shouldn't be a surprise, but, but income has something to do with it. So looking at the demographic of income, people from lower income households are spend more time on their screens per day. And it's about two hours more than people from higher income houses. That was actually looking at teenage. Okay, let me make more clear. That was actually looking at teenagers. Teenagers in lower income houses spend about nine and a half hours on their screen, whereas teenagers coming from households that earn a hundred thousand plus, it's seven. I was thinking because the parents can afford extracurricular activities. Yeah, you yeah. know they can afford those soccer fees or the tennis lessons or whatever. And then when I'm looking at like the overall screen time according to country, like South Africa, all these high ones. Like 90 something percent of the screen time is going towards TV screening. So looking at the data, it's really interesting because children ages zero to two are using tablets and phones and TV and all ages, you know, but like people are starting as young as zero to two. And I find it like personally, I, I didn't read all the studies, but I would not let my kids look at a screen or TV till they were two. Like I was just really worried about that because somehow I had heard like, don't let them look at TV till they're two. But then my second child was born right when my first child turned two and I suddenly needed her to watch TV because I suddenly was like, you know, yeah. trying to breastfeed him and change his diapers. And so like, that's when I introduced her to a tablet. I got her the Amazon Kindle Fire and she was allowed to play with it in her bed in the morning to not get out of bed so that I could like have the morning to be nursing him and getting him ready. So she started at two with tablet time. I think I did a similar thing with my kids. Yeah, My daughter, I didn't have, we were totally, we're basically off grid with no internet. So like naturally that actually worked to keep her away from the TV or away from anything. Whereas my son, I don't even know because my mother-in-law took care of him. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was one of those things where I had to make the decision to, to kind of give him into the care of someone who took very, very good care of him, but that rule wasn't enforceable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I also think it's really interesting too, because if you look on your phone, especially if you have an Apple phone, I don't know if they do this on Android phones, I have to admit, but when you go and look at the categories of what they're qualifying for when they're reading your screen time, this is just an aside, because I... Just checked after you said that. And last week I averaged two hours and 23 minutes of time per day. And like it's counting Spotify. So when I'm in the car and I'm listening to music, like that counts as screen time, according to my phone and also checking photos. And then also on my computer, it counts me being in Zoom calls. So technically it counts this as screen time. And then it also counts, what was the other thing that I counted that I was like, what? It also counted my notes being open, you know, like the Apple Notes app. Wow, interesting. So sometimes you can be a little bit easier on yourself. But again, this goes back to shame. This isn't a do it. This was just- Yeah, like why are, we're so shameful about it, but, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I'm looking at the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry website, and it's saying that managing screen time is challenging for families. And they're saying that until 18 months of age to limit it to just video chatting with other people like grandparents or a parent who's out of town, 
between 18 and 24 months, they should only be watching educational programming with a caregiver. Ages two to five, they should limit screen time to about one hour per weekday and three hours on weekends. And six and older, encourage healthy habits and limit activities. Turn off all screens during family meals and outings. We do that. We have like a no phone, no TV rule about with meals. And learn about using parental controls. Avoid using screens as pacifier babysitters or to stop tantrums. It's really hard not to use it as a babysitter when you have really, really little ones. Um, right. Right. Well, that speaks juggling. to the, yeah, I think that speaks to the whole thing about the village, right? Is that like, we are, we are so doing autonomous. a really strange social experiment where we're basically being asked to replace what was a community. Even, even when you had a bunch of people, most likely housewives, they all put their kids together and then they all were together themselves. So they were still in like a loose society if they had separate houses, but with work and everything like that, we're having to do this totally crazy social experiment of raising kids in isolation. Yeah. But I was watching this really disturbing show and it was referencing back to a TV show that I watched as a child called, I know my first name is Steven. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was a horrible story about a missing child who, who was abducted when he was seven years old. And at trigger warning was sexually abused by his abductor until he escaped at age 14. And he only escaped because the abuser abducted a five-year-old and he knew what was in store for this little boy, Timothy. So he's like, nope, we got to leave. So he finally escapes. Anyways, when that movie came out, I feel like a lot of parents are, were, I, I feel like child abduction, sexual abuse, and all these things was really like out of people's awareness when you and I were children. Like, so anyone born in the 70s, 60s, early 80s, it's like your parents were oblivious. Like I have friends who tell me all these stories and I'm like, I would never, like my friend, you know, I have a friend who was molested by her karate instructor because they would leave her with the karate instructor alone in this building when it was empty on the weekends to get private lessons. They drop her off and leave for hours. Like I would never leave my child alone with a man. Sorry, yeah. that sounds sexist, but I would never in a million years leave my child alone with a man in an empty building. You know, yeah. I ask for female dentists when they're having a procedure that I'm not allowed to be in the room for, you know, like we have a lot more awareness today than we did before. And, and I know so many parents, or I should say, I know so many friends whose parents feel so much regret for being so neglectful about sleepovers and like suspicious behaviors because we were just so oblivious to it then and I do believe that our like paranoia about pedophiles has a lot to do with increase in screen time in children because we don't let them play on the street like we used to like we don't let them go to and from people's houses so easily like I really do believe that some people could say it's gotten out of hand we're like you know everyone you think you just assume everyone's a pedophile around your kids and you're super super cautious you know there, there's kind of that mentality but then if that mentality saves your child from one incident, isn't it worth it? But then also, what is the risk and cost of living a life where you're trying to keep your kids safe? Right. And then, yeah. And then it goes down to the whole fucking crux of the issue, which is pedophilia is a huge fucking problem. Like right. and we are compensating in an incredibly sick society for something that is accepted relatively accepted or pushed under the rug or people don't want to do anything like like that behavior is what needs to be 
what needs to be fixed, not screen time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, And I know that's a leap to say kids have more screen time because of pedophiles, but I really do believe like when I'm talking to friends, like one of the reasons why they limit their kids playing on the street unsupervised or walking, walking to a friend's house the way you and I probably did as children. I'm, I'm guessing you did. I know I, I walked to school in kindergarten, you know, like, no, no one lets their kids walk to school in kindergarten now. And not, not in America, not in America and and Japan, they have the little system of you get a, like a, there's like a tag or a a scarf that they wear and they go everywhere by themselves because it's accepted. It's recognized that children are need to be protected. And so everybody protects them. Mm -hmm. But um, we don't have that here. And it's just, it's just in a lot of ways, it's unfortunate because we're kind of forced to keep our kids in a bubble. And one parent, one or two parents can't do it all. And so you, I feel like you have to supplement a little bit with screen time, you know? And so, and then there's all this shame about screen time and how bad it is for you because it's, it's like cocaine. It gets you addicted to dopamine hits and, and um, it disturbs your sleep and it can lead to depression. Like there's all these things about what it can do. It also is the future. So, I mean, I mean, is it really all that evil? I don't know. I think that there's a, I think that there's a a happy medium ground in it, right. In the sense of, you know, recognizing that you need to relinquish yourself of shame and guilt, right? Like you're not in charge of entertaining your kids. Like I love that woman. I don't even remember who she is. It's been ages since I've seen any of her content, but who talks about like, you're not responsible for entertaining your children. Right. Was it the one French kids eat everything? I read that one bringing up baby. It was about how French kids eat everything. And she says in France, Yeah. yeah, she said in how in France, they're like, I'm responsible for teaching them manners and making sure they get a good education and feeding them and clothing them, but entertainment that's on them. Yeah. And I've adopted that shamelessly and it's great. Like my kids really self-entertain. I'll play hide and seek with them or jump on the trampoline with them sometimes. But for the most part, like they're not seeking me out for entertainment. Thank God. Cause if they say they're bored, I'm like, well, you can help me clean. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like what I do with my kids now is I am the observe, I'm, I'm trying to help them observe how they feel as a result of screen time. Right. So what they do is that they'll go on screen time. My kids have it in the morning for anywhere between 20 and 40 minutes. And it allows us time to like wake up and like, it kind of, it kind of gives us time when a kid wakes up early and you're like, I really need to sleep. And, and then if we go on long car rides, they have it. And, and then they like watch TV. I don't know if counting watch again. I'm like, <laughs> my old sister brain's like, does TV count as a screen time? But the, the, the idea is the study. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So then my kids watch TV like a little bit before we read to them and then they go to bed. But, and they, and they listen to music, which t- according to Apple would actually count against them because Spotify counts against them either. Anyway, what I do is I help them recognize how they feel because always, as soon as they turn off the screen, they say, I'm bored. Right. And I'm just like, I'm like, guys, what's happening right now is, as I usually do it very scientifically <laughs> is I'm just like, what's happening right now is you're having like a dopamine, like you have a, a like you've been overstimulated. Like your senses have just been like in this like beautiful place of, you know, getting all the things that it needs and it can go anywhere it wants. And it feels like it's being ultimately satisfied. And then you've just taken away your satisfaction, but instead of trying to then go seek more satisfaction, see if you can't sit with the, the, the dissatisfaction for a moment and it'll leave, it'll dissipate. And so they always do it. Like they do it now. It took a while to do it, but now they'll just sit 
and I'll, and I'll ask him, I'll be like, are you still bored? Right. I'll be like, are you still bored? And they'll be like, no. I was like, is there something else that you're hungry for right now? Like, is there something else that can like satisfy this need? Like if it, for some reason the boredom quote unquote, or the need for stimulation lasts longer than a couple of minutes that I'm just like, all right, go. What is, what is the thing that like is actually going to satisfy your hunger right now? Do you want to get into a deeper project? Do you want to do whatever? And so it's like, I've been trying to teach them that aspect of it because that is the coping mechanism that I feel like I would have really appreciated, right? Like either one, the impulse to, to not just jump into the thing that's like fully satisfying and lots of dopamine hits right away, but to take a couple of beats so that I can kind of ride a different wave. And the second is after you've gotten rid of the stimulus, like just sitting in that moment of like depletion and just being like, this is uncomfortable, but it's okay. That's good. Yeah. I I was really good at good. See, here we are putting labels on this thing. I was really, I was really into limiting screen time when I would give it to them when they were like two, you know, like once my son wasn't nursing, it was like, okay, well you can just have it on airplane rides or, you know, on the weekend mornings so I can sleep in or whatever. And then now that they're older, they don't have limits. They're just able to use it whenever, but they, ironically, they're not interested in it. Right. And it's funny because I do the opposite as you, which I'm realizing how fucked up that is. And they'll be like, mom, I'm bored. I'm like, where's your iPad? <laughs> Leave me alone. Go find your iPad. And they're like, it, I don't want to play my iPad. It's boring. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just like funny because I'll like try to like get them to, to not come to me. But I've really learned the art of if they say they're bored, I start giving them chores around the house and that sh- sh- gets them. I'm bored bored pretty pretty quickly. quickly. (laughs) If you're bored, you can help me unload the dishwasher. You can vacuum. Yeah. You can do this. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's, it's and that's probably not the most uh, awake parenting, but that's what I'm doing. Uh, Again, it's not about judgment. It's about what, you know, in a lot of ways, you probably have a similar brain to your kids. And if that was the thing that helps you, if it helps you and it helps them, then there's a lesson in it and it's, you know, worthwhile in its own special way. But yeah. yeah. Well, I want to give quick 10 tips to increase dopamine levels without screen time. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Number one, yeah. Number one, eat lots of protein, protein. I love putting a protein powder in my daily coffee. Can't even taste it. And number two, eat less saturated fats. Those are fats found in animal fat, butter, full fat, dairy, palm oil, and coconut oil, which may disrupt dopamine signaling to the brain when consumed in large amounts. But those studies have only been conducted in rats so far, but still the results are intriguing because they found that rats that consume 50% of their calories from saturated fat had reduced dopamine signaling in the reward center of their brain than animals that receive the same amount of calories that's from unsaturated really, fat. That's really interesting Yeah, because I would not think that that's the case. But it also, I'm I'm skeptical only because of the fact that saturated fats have had such a bad name for so long. And the vast majority of that early stuff was like somewhat wrong. Like it was that whole sugar fat thing, right? Where they're like fat, saturated fats is what causes heart disease. And it actually turns out that it was sugar that caused heart disease. And it was like a whole propaganda thing. So I'm just like, I, I, it's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to look into it because, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. always skeptical of, of demonizing saturated fats. Well, they say that saturated fats do in fact, uh, increase inflammation in the body in humans, but more research is needed. And this study is saying that this was found in animals, more research is needed for humans. So we don't know. Nice. All right, cool. 
Number three is consume probiotics. The gut is also called the second brain because of all the nerve cells there, the nerve cells there that produce many neurotransmitters. So having a healthy gut is extremely important. So consuming probiotics, keeping a healthy gut. Number four, eat velvet beans. This is really interesting because I knew that fava beans were really good for you. Fava beans are good for Parkinson's. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but people who have Parkinson's are usually prescribed L-DOPA. And it's a dopamine increaser because dopamine is also responsible for like motor control. Okay. And you can go online and purchase velvet bean powder, which I didn't know, but I think I'm going to purchase some because I thought, why not? Also, fava beans are another great source of L-DOPA, natural source, and they're in the same family, I believe, as the, as the mucuna purines, which is the velvet bean family as well. And fava beans are delicious when you get them like roasted, like snacks. Okay, number five, exercise often. Exercise is recommended for boosting endorphin levels and improving mood. Improvement can be seen with as little as 10 minutes of aerobic activity, but it's most improved with, but tend to be highest after at least 20 minutes. So, you know, if you can force yourself to get in a exercise routine of at least 20 minutes a day, you might see some improvements in your dopamine levels. Number six is get enough sleep. Don't need to go too much into that. That seems pretty self-explanatory. Number seven is listening to music because that does also stimulate dopamine in your brain. And number eight is meditation. Number nine is getting enough sunlight. We've all heard of seasonal affect disorder, which is sad when you feel depressed in the winter, when you're not getting enough light, you can buy these lights if needed. If you live in a place where you don't get good sun exposure and a study looked at compulsive tanners who visited tanning beds at least twice per week for one year. And they found that they led to significant boosts in dopamine levels, which is why they had a desire to repeat the behavior. So people who are addicted to tanning might be addicted to the dopamine release. I thought that's interesting. That is interesting. And then number 10 is consider supplements. So your body needs a lot of minerals and vitamins to create dopamine. Those include iron, niacin, folate, and vitamin B6. If you are deficient in one of these nutrients, you may have trouble making enough dopamine. And um, you can get blood work done with your doctor at your physical to see. But the bottom line is that there's a lot of ways to increase dopamine in your life that don't require screen time dopamine hits. Interesting. I would think that there's a part of me that thinks that some of that is just like experience resistless living, right? Which is like the same as like meditation and sleeping and like all those things are like examples to me of like resistless existence, right? Where you're just like in this state where you're like not having to like deal with the, the friction of reality of like waking conscious reality. And also I would think that hydration would be really in there because I can tell you when I am feeling low on dopamine, it's usually because for more than a couple hours at a time, it's usually because I'm dehydrated. Oh, it's not in there, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. So what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about asking AI about God. So I got this idea the other day when I was on TikTok, and this is two things that I thought were really interesting because I wanted to ask, I I, I was going to actually just do verbatim what the person who in this TikTok had said. And then I was like, I'm just going to go into chat GPT. I can tell you, it's a really interesting energy as a, as a it's psychic intuitive, like it's a really interesting ed- energy because it feels like really, really mechanical. Like it doesn't feel like it has depth 
but it's giving these answers and it definitely weirded me out. Definitely weirded me out, but I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to say what it said just because I think it's interesting and I'll maybe have to get familiar with the energy just because it is so different. Okay. So one of the questions I asked was, tell me why it is worthwhile to believe in God based on empirical evidence as if I were 13 years old. And this is what it responded. Believing in God can be worthwhile even when considering empirical evidence for several reasons. Here are the simplified explanations for a 13-year-old. One, complexity of the universe. When we look at the vastness and intricacy of the universe, it can be awe-inspiring. From the beauty of nature to the precise workings of the human body, these wonders suggest that there might be a higher power behind their creation. Two, fine-tuning of the universe. Scientists have discovered that our universe possesses precise physical laws and constants that allow life to exist. This fine-tuning raises questions about how everything came to be so perfectly aligned. Believing in God can provide an explanation for this fine-tuning and the order we observe in the universe. Three, moral sense. Humans have an innate sense of right and wrong. We feel empathy, compassion. Isn't it interesting that it said we? We, <laughs> we feel empathy, compassion, and a desire for justice. Believing in God can provide a foundation for understanding the source of these moral values and why they matter, and it can guide us in leading ethical and compassionate lives. Again, saying it's like we it's it's we yeah i'm i'm maybe slightly weirded out because of that too okay four personal experience many people claim to have had personal experiences or encounters with the divine while personal experiences cannot be directly measured or scientifically proven they can be meaningful and influential in shaping one's belief of in god and five historical and cultural influence throughout history Belief in a higher power has played a significant role in shaping cultures, traditions, and societies. Learning about the beliefs and teachings of different religions can provide valuable insights into humanity's collective wisdom and help us navigate life's challenges. And it says, finally, it's important to remember that beliefs are deeply personal and can vary from person to person. The decision to believe in God is ultimately yours to make, and it should be based on a combination of rational thinking, personal experiences, and a willingness to explore and question dis different perspectives. So what do you think of that? I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. And then here's the doozy one. This is the one for anyone who's deconstructing from religion. This was the prompt that was almost, I made up my own prompt, but it's similar to, to what the person who I saw on TikTok was. And here's the prompt. It says, please provide an apology from God to humans and all creatures on earth as if God were an apologetic parent. And here we go. My beloved children and all creatures of the earth, I come before you with a heavy heart filled with remorse and deep regret. As your creator, I feel the need to express my sincerest apologies for the pain, suffering, and injustices that have befallen you throughout history. It is with humili humility that I seek your forgiveness. I created this world with the intention of providing you with a place of beauty, harmony, and fulfillment. Yet I recognize that the reality has been far from that vision. I am truly sorry for the wars that have ravaged your lands, the diseases that have afflicted your bodies, and the natural disasters that have devastated your homes. I understand the anguish caused by inequality, oppression, and prejudice that you have endured, and I take responsibility for the divisions among you, the hatred that has poisoned your hearts, and the pain that you have inflicted upon one another. I am sorry for the times when it seemed as though I was absent or indifferent to your suffering. I am sorry for the unanswered prayers and the silence that seemed to accompany your pleas for help. My intention was never to cause you pain or to abandon you. I grieve with you in your darkest moments and share in your tears. Please know that I am constantly striving to bring healing, hope, and redemption to your broken world. 
I am working through individuals and communities, inspiring acts of love, compassion, and reconciliation. It is my desire that you find solace and strength in these moments of light. I humbly ask for your forgiveness, understanding that it may take time to heal the wounds that have been inflicted. I promise to listen to your prayers and cries for justice to guide and inspire you towards a better future. Together, let us work hand in hand to create a world where peace, love, and justice prevail. With profound remorse and unending love, your apologetic parent, God. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, any thoughts? I can say reading it out loud to everybody, like, there's a part of me that just feels like it's almost, it just feels weird. Do you get that? Can you feel that? Yeah, it's super fucking weird. Archangel Michael still wants us to put it in, so... (laughs) what also was really weird is this woman the social influencer who's real pretty had an ai like study her for x amount of hours so that it could she could then loan the ai out as a girlfriend to her fans so like her fans can quote unquote date her for a dollar a minute but they're dating the ai version of her so like that's going to be a new thing where you can like rent out ai girlfriends which clearly it's digital. It uh, just goes to show how lonely people are. Like I've had pre- people who've worked in the sex industry and I'd always be like, you know, I'd be like, tell me, tell me, you know, tell me all your juicy stories. And they're like, to be honest, believe it or not, like it gets pretty boring because you pretty much get regulars and they just want to talk. They're just lonely. Like people are just lonely. A lot of people. Yeah. There's a, there's a show right now on Peacock called Mrs. Davis, and there's a quote unquote benevolent AI in that show. And I've been mentioning this to Anna more than she probably cares because I really want her to watch it. No, I found it. I'm going to watch it today. Yeah. It's, it's totally crazy, but it has some absolutely beautiful scenes of like Jesus serving falafel in a restaurant and stuff with like, it's like a quest for the Holy grail, which you find out right away. But also like there's this benevolent AI and that benevolent AI is just like company to all these people. Like it makes people feel like they're not alone and that they're like actually making the right decisions. And so many people are like, we need this in our lives. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a really interesting thing. So I mean, uh, that's what we need is a guardian angel AI app that will uh, tell you the right thing to do. Right. Well, what is right? What is well, and also that's, that's what I like, that's the thing that I fear with AI more than anything is that I fear that, that people will stop, like we're on the precipice of so many people understanding their intuitive gifts and understanding their intuitive ability and, and being navigated by the higher dimensions of, of life, which is like love and connection and, and purpose and all these different things. And if we outsource that to AI people are losing the opportunity to tap tap into and like become a different level of like become a more embodied person. And that, that may, that scares me, you know, because our guardian angels are with us all the time and we can talk to them. So, you know, it's just like, Oh, anyway, I'm going to get emotional if I talk about it much longer, but I believe in y'all. You don't need to outsource anything. All right. All right. Thank you everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this TSF short. If you tried to give us some patronage, 
through our website directly at www.thespiritualfix.com on the front page and it didn't work. Try again. It works now. And we would totally appreciate any support that you guys would love to give us so that we can keep the podcast going and make it sustainable. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hello, TSF family. It's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes, just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized, my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self-love with me. I'm currently offering free 30-minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up. Visit www.chriswilsey.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember, our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course when you choose to sign up. Join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self-love like never before. Don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life. Visit www.chriswiltsy.com today. Thanks, y'all.